Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 18, if you keep a track at home. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker here with you, as always, in a jam-packed show. I'm joined by my co-host, Jolan Bayoko. Jolan, welcome. Happy to be in the booth, brother. Yeah, it's always a good day to be here. Always my favorite day of the week, Jolan. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Every other day just about sucks, if we're going to put it very frank. Especially this year. And we've been rolling here with a couple guests the last two weeks. Jolan, I went 13-3 and three in my picks last week, so we have somebody else in the booth who would like to try and beat me uh, this week after I went 5-11 and 11 in the opening week. So that puts me at a grand total of... 18-14. and 14. Correct. There you go. Good start. That's a, that's a pretty solid start, I would say, so far. But I want to introduce our guest, Chris Shaw. Chris, uh, is, I've known him for a long time. I, it, it's a common theme on this show. You, If you know somebody a long time and they know sports, they can generally come on the podcast. So uh, Chris Chris went to Ponte Lakes High School. He graduated the class of 2015, the year before me, and Jolan as well. We're Jolan, old. We were both. Yeah, we are old. <laughs> Regardless, Chris, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you on. How's it going, guys? Happy to be here. Let's get it going. Yeah, let's get rolling. We have a jam-packed show. I mentioned last week some big things going on. A lot of injuries occurred. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys won a miracle, which is a surprise because usually they're on the other end of that. But uh, they win a game in which the Atlanta Falcons just find a different way to lose. But regardless, again, I mentioned my picks were really good. I beat Vince in a landslide. Let's just put that very frankly. And uh, we're going to get rolling here. So, Jolan, you want to take it away? Because we got another exciting week three. There's not a ton of games to talk about really in depth. But we're going to get to all of them. We're going to pick them as always. And we're going to pick Monday night and next Thursday's game. So, uh, Jolan, get us started, man. Well, let's start it off with two undefeated teams. We'll start with the Rams at the Bills. Um, it's sad to know, Stephon Diggs has 239 receiving yards this season, tied for the most in the NFL, the most receiving yards through the first three games of the season in Bills history. is 352 by Peerless Price in 2002. So you see a matchup where Diggs might be on pace to start breaking records early with the Bills. Who do you got? This is a tough one, I'm not going to lie. And, by the way, just all credit on these stats to ESPN – ESPN.com, they do, they do a terrific job getting everybody set for each week. But going into the matchup now, I would say, you know, I would say usually advantage Bills because the Rams just, you know, when they first started with Sean McVay, it was really a high-flying offense, a lot of passing, a lot of throwing it all over the yard, which going up to Buffalo, listen, man, you think it's chilly in Jersey. It is chilly in Buffalo, New York. I can tell you that much. And in years past, that wouldn't have flown for the for the Rams. But I think this year they're more of a run-heavy team. They're running to their strength, really, instead of forcing their O-line to do a bunch of zone schemes. Uh, they're kind of mixing it up a little bit, getting downhill. Regardless, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Bills in this game. Again, home field advantage doesn't mean a lot because uh, Governor Cuomo is not letting fans into that stadium anytime soon. But regardless, I think I think it is a little chillier up there. It is it is West Coast to East Coast. I'm going to take the Bills in this one, but it is a good game. This game's coming down to, I think, the final the final field goal. So, Shaw, since he defended the Rams a little bit, what do you got to say about the Bills? Do you like them in this matchup, and who do you like to win? Um, so, I'm going to go with the Bills as well. Uh, it's cold up there. Boys flying in from L.A. It's a little nicer weather, getting used <laughs> to the warmth. And, uh, like Goss said, with the running game, the Bills have one of the best run defenses in the league. They're built for have that. Have had, have had, yeah. Yeah, they're built for that up there. So I'm going to go Bills, and I don't think it's going to be as close. 
I mean, especially with the way Josh Allen's been playing and stuff like that, I think he's on historic pace so far if he could keep it up with his scramble yards being at the top of the line and his passing yards matching it as well with his new weapon, uh, new weapon, Stephon Diggs. My hesitancy comes from the fact that he has played the Miami defense and the Jet defense, which our high school team could play against and probably put up decent numbers. <laughs> Let's be completely frank about that. But I, I, I do like the Bills in this matchup as well. All right, moving forward, we have the Raiders at the Patriots. The Raiders 2-0 after a shocking upset last week. Um, stat to know is the Raiders have the second highest offensive efficiency rating, 90.6 in the NFL through week two. The Packers only leading them with 94. They have scored 30-plus points in their first two games, but have not done so in three straight games since 2016, weeks seven through nine, the last season they made the playoffs. L. L for the Raiders. L for the Raiders. That's the first letter in Las Vegas. You know, I'm going to give them the L this week. I think they go up to Foxborough and lay an egg. I really do. Bill Belichick had that team ready to play in Seattle. They should have won that game. I was watching this really in-detail in clip about the last run play on the goal line. They Cam Newton should have walked in the end zone. He should have walked in the end zone. It was, it, was, it was really fascinating. I think Bill's got his team recouped, ready to play. This offense with Cam Newton looks really good, to be honest with you. And the matchup really that you're looking for is Darren Waller. Who, did, who does New England have to guard him? Honestly, to me, it doesn't really matter because that's what Bill Belichick's strength is, is finding your top guy and shutting him down every single time. And to me, that's that that to me is what they're gonna do this weekend. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Patriots this weekend. So he likes the Patriots. Who do you like in this matchup and why, Shaw? Well, so I watched the Raiders game last week, and Darren Waller looked like a prime Tony Gonzalez last week. Oh, that's he a good was comparison. All over the place. And they looked good. They were snapping the ball around the field, but I don't think Cam Newton loses two weeks in a row. I think they bounce back, and I got the Patriots in a close one. Honestly, Cam Newton, he's he's said it himself this past week. He's not playing for money anymore. He said, let's be honest, I've made money. All the things he's playing for now is the respect, so he's definitely coming into a different level. Moving forward, Titans at the Vikings. The Titans, 2-0 surprisingly against the Vikings, surprisingly 0-2. Um, stat to know is the Titans are seeking their first 3-0 start since 2008, started 10-0 and finished 13-3, and the Vikings are trying to avoid their first 0-3 start since 2013, the last Vikings team to lose 10-plus games. Who do you like, Ryan, and why? I am taking Derrick Henry in this game. I'm not taking the Tennessee Titans. I'm taking Derrick Henry. He is the workhorse. He is going to carry you in this game. And Minnesota's offense has looked atrocious. Ever since Kirk Cousins talked about coronavirus and said, if I die, I die, he has been anything but a good NFL quarterback. He has been awful, and their offense hasn't really snapped out of it. Their defense hasn't really snapped out of it after losing their two starting corners in free agency to even begin the year. So I'm going to take the Titans on this one, and I think they go to go. Oh, I think they go to three and zero. So Shaw, more of a general question because he's taking the Titans. Do you think the Vikings can just stop Derrick Henry? No. Can nah. anyone stop him? He's <laughs> 6'4", 230. He's a monster. That's LeBron James with a football in his hand. Pretty much. So who do you like and why? The freight train. The, the Titans. The, yeah. I th- Here's my bold prediction. I think Tannehill starts slinging it around a little bit. Starts playing with the Vikings. Starts toying with that defense. <laughs> on, the, on the 20th anniversary week of Remember the Titans, the Titans, I think, caught the dub. And the Vikings are missing two cornerbacks. Also good to note. Moving on, the Texans are 0-2 at the uh, 2-0 Steelers. Um, stat to know is the Steelers have started 2-0 for the seventh time in the Ben Roethlisberger era since 2004. They went on to make the playoffs each of the past six instances. The Texans, on the other hand, 
are off to an 0-2 start for the third time in the past six seasons, but they recovered to make the playoffs in each of those previous two instances. Who do you like, Ryan, here, and why? They're going to have to do it from 0-3. I think the Steelers win this game. That defense is scary good, scary good, and Big Ben is just good enough. You know, I don't... We're seeing some vintage Ben plays, but it, this, this obviously isn't the Ben of old. It shouldn't be the Ben of old. He is old. That, you know, that's just a fact. So, you know, but I think they kind of get the run game going. The Texans continue every single night. I hope Bill, Bill O'Brien goes to sleep regretting that DeAndre Hopkins trade because you saw it in week one against the Chiefs. So what did they miss? They missed a big 50-50 ball receiver. You know what DeAndre Hopkins just happens to be? A big 50-50 the wide receiver. The best 50-50 ball wide receiver. Right. So I think this is this is not a really fair matchup for Houston. They're going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, uh, I mean, now this is with fans, but uh, without fans this year. But in previous, they're tough at home. They really just are. And like I said, that defense, Minka Fitzpatrick, shout out St. Peter's uh, here in New Jersey. I think, I think they're just too much. Bud Dupree. Laramie Tunsil is going to get tested. He's the highest-paid left tackle in football now. Highest-paid ta- left tackle in NFL history, excuse me. He's going to get tested this week with Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt. So that's just going to be it's going to be big. So moving on because he's defending the Steelers, what do the Texans need to key in on for them to have a shot? The front seven on the Steelers is probably the best in the NFL. The offensive line for the Texans isn't the best. Would it be short passes? Would it be long passing yards? What do you think the best chance for them to win this game is and why? I, I think they got to establish the run early, uh, feed David Johnson, get him going, and then that'll open up a couple play action passes down the stretch. And uh, I think the boys are due. I'm going Texans. Going bold. Oof, that's super bold, especially <laughs> I'm how going the Steelers have been. Just to throw this in there, Joel, on this weekend will be the first time that all three Watt brothers have played on the same football field in the same game in their entire lives. Unbelievable just genes. To throw that, just to throw that out there. So they're, they're, they're locked and ready to go. Superior genetics. Moving forward, the 49ers are 1-1. One one. They take on the New York Giants. Um, the stat to know is the Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones, has nine games with at least two turnovers since 2019, tied with Jameis Winston for the most in the NFL in that span. That includes three straight dating back to last season. Unbelievable. Daniel Jones has not been performing up to par as I thought. Who do you like here, Ryan, and why? We Can we as Giant fans agree to get rid of this narrative that he had weapons? They lost Sterling Shepard, turf toe, whatever. Saquon Barkley, torn ACL, massive loss. He won't get paid this offseason like he was expected to, by the way. He doesn't have weapons, dude. It's that simple. Evan Ingram is a shell of himself. Mike Kosicki is in, I believe, his second or third year and is eons beyond Evan Ingram right now, just as a pass-catching tight end. And that's what Evan Ingram was brought to New York to do. And he was one of the first tight ends taken off the board. He was the first tight end taken off the board. He was supposed to be the pass-catching tight end. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's taken above Njoku. Correct. Correct. He couldn't He couldn't block, remember? He couldn't block. All he could do was catch because he was basically a wide receiver. Regardless, Daniel Jones has no weapons. This is a prime game where the Giants should win because, A, everybody's doubting them. B, the Niners literally are missing six of their ten starters on offense. Oh, wait, no, that's the Jets. The Niners are missing about six out of their 22 starters on the team total. They lose Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Raheem Mostert I don't think is going to play. Jimmy Garoppolo. is not going to play, but Nick Mullins is, is, is look good, and the Giants' defense make every, look, every quarterback make, uh, look good. Listen, we saw what the 49ers did to the Jets, and now, again, are the Jets and Giants on the same level? 
probably about a tier away, but it ain't far. I'll tell you that much. So I'm going to take the 49ers in this one. Kyle Shanahan is literally just the next man up, and he finds ways to win games. So Goose is going with the 49ers B team to beat the Giants. Shaw, any insight on this? No, this is their C team. I'm going with their C team <laughs> to beat the Giants. Yes. Uh, even as a Jet fan, I'm taking the boys in blue this week. Love to hear it. The 49ers are playing with uh, 11 guys they picked up off Route 3 doing construction. <laughs> That's good because there's a lot of traffic there, so you can find a lot of talent. You can find sure. tons. So I think the Giants, even though they're limping in, they just take advantage of a bruised 49ers team this week. You know, it's funny to me because Kittle has potential to come back this week and they just flat out sat him. They, they realize out, yes. who this Giants team is, and it's a team that might get you two wins and a top five pick next year. Like, hold on. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. If Shaw is right and the, these Giants fans win, oh, Twitter is going to explode. The Giants are back. They're only 1-2. and two. <laughs> Could they come back? You remember in 07 they were down 0-2 on the season, start and they came playoffs. back and they won a Super Bowl. It, the delusion is going to start, just, just so this you know. This is what I hate about Giants Nation, and myself included. See, they kill us slowly. It's 7 in the chest instead of 1 to the head. If we're going to be bad, let's lose 16 See, you and get gotta the know, you got to know it's coming, bro. you got to know it. When you know it's coming. I'm bleeding out, man. Life stinks. Moving forward, the 2-0 Bears take on the 0-2 Falcons. Atlanta started 0-2 for the first time in a very long time. After catching a pair in each of Atlanta's first two games of the season, Falcons receiver Calvin Ridley now has 21 career receiving touchdowns, the second most by a Falcons player over his first three seasons since Andre Reason, does, who's 22. Yeah, well, I'm taking the Falcons in this one. I think they get off the schneid. I really do. They were After supposed last week. to against the Cowboys. Honestly, emotionally, I don't know how they rebound, to be completely honest with you. But what I will tell you is Calvin Ridley was really good. By the way, they're like the first team in NFL history to like lose a game that they scored 39 points in and had zero turnovers. And they blew a Super Bowl leading 28-3. Pre- pre- previous teams previous teams in that situation, 39 points and zero turnovers, were 440-0. and 0. I believe was the stat I saw on Fox, which is uh, which is just or forty four zero, which sounds a little bit more Leave likely. Leave it to Atlanta. But regardless, Atlanta, I'm gonna I'm gonna take them in this game. That we saw that Chicago Bears team against the Giants last week. That that pass defense, especially late in the game, just didn't look great. Eddie Jackson's gonna have a ton of pass interference. Should have had a holding on the last play of the game, by the way, which the offensive pass interference got called. But that's a different conversation. I'm gonna take the Falcons in this one. I think in the dome. Matt Ryan's comfortable. Calvin Ridley, like you mentioned, is is emerging right now for this team because Julio just doesn't catch touchdowns. I don't, I don't know why. But regardless, I'm taking the Falcons in this one. Uh, bear down for Chicago. So Shaw, he's taking the Falcons. Do you have any argument for the Bears? I know Trubisky's been playing super poor this season. I feel like it's a topic of discussion every week. They're just trying to mask him basically to look good enough. Who do you like in this situation and why? I'm taking the Bears, but not because of Mitch Trubisky. He gets exposed every week. They traded up. It seems. They they fumbled on that one, trading up for him. But uh, the Falcons, it's a sitcom. They find new ways to lose football games every week. Feels like the Mets a little. <laughs> Feels like the Mets. They just invent different ways to embarrass you if you're a fan. But the Mets don't do it in such grace. The Falcons looked good last weekend, and they lost one side of the ball, like defensively, really bad. Like you know, that's fair. Go ahead, Shaw. That's all I got for that yeah, one. They I mean, just, listen, they just the find new ways. Chicago is 2-0, and but they are not 2-0 and because of Mitch Trubisky. They they kind of overcome what what his problems have been. Because let's he hasn't looked great. He I, I'm tired of this narrative that he's looked great. Be, and he's you know, only he looked great because they're 2-0. Otherwise, 
they would have benched. They would have. I mean, they'd be calling for his head. Their defense Chicago. have definitely carried them to those first two wins. Moving forward to another defense that has carried their team to a win in the Washington Redskins or Washington Football Team, rather. I slip up every week on this. They are at the Cleveland Browns. Um, Washington leads the NFL with 11 sacks over its first two games, and a 13.8% of opponent pass attempts have resulted in sacks. Second highest rate in the NFL behind is Indianapolis at 15.2. Their defensive line is just stupid. And I, you know, I got to tell you, playing them two times a year now is just not fun anymore. Um, it used to be when they when they were terrible, but terrible with a bad pass rush. Now they got a really good. Now they're terrible, but they have a bad. They have a really good pass rush. This is a game where I could see Baker Mayfield getting sacked eight times, fumbling twice, throwing a pick, all this kind of stuff. I still think that they're going to find a way to get OBJ the ball because they listen. That is the recipe to success. You find him, you get him going early. That way, like I said, he's kind of like a basketball player in the sense where you get him in a rhythm, it's all set from there. So get him in a rhythm, it opens up the rest of the offense, and I think they kind of roll from there. I, their pass rush, they, the Washington pass rush is the only thing saving me on this pick from being like the lock of the century. They, that That is the one saving grace. I think it's a really close game when it shouldn't be, and uh, Dwayne Haskins hasn't been great, but I'm going to take I'm gonna take the Browns in this game. So he takes the Browns. Do you have any reason that the Redskins might pull this game football out? Football team. The football team, the Washington football team. We really got to get you off. Oh of this yeah, thing. man, I got to take a crash course. I got to take a crash course on this. I understand. I'm going to text you that rivals. like a, I'm going to text you that like a sixteen times a week. for sixteen years already. But regardless, do you think the Washington football team has any chance of winning this game, especially with how poor Baker's played when he's reliant on the pass? I'm going with the football team. That's my pick this week. I think Baker Mayfield plays this game on his back. That's fact. That uh, front line for the Browns is not the best. And that uh, D-line for the football team, I almost just did it too, is, like Gus said, they're incredible. So I think that's the deciding factor. I think this is a really bad week for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I have that feeling. Yeah, but they're the key to this game, right? Because if they get the ball rolling, now you start getting play action. You start seeing what Tennessee can do. Now Baker can sit there a little more comfortably. It slows down the pass rush. So that's the X factor in the game. So I think that's really where the difference is with the two picks is – just whether the run game can get going, and if it doesn't, you know they're in trouble. But I think it, I think it does get going just enough, just enough. To our next matchup, we have the toilet bowl: the Bengals at the Eagles. Um, two teams that have not played up to par. You see flashes of signs of Joe Burrow playing well, and flashes of decline from Carson Wentz, if you will, through the first two games. Who do you like in this matchup, Brian, and why? Do you know what? Do you know what Doug Peterson said this week? They asked him, why is your quarterback regressing in year five? And he said, hmm, good question. Listen, when that question gets asked, you better go to full defense of your quarterback. That was not a, uh, I'm all in on Carson, because then he spent the next minute retract, you know, kind of retracing steps. Regardless, the fun fact of this week is the Eagles have not beaten the Bengals since 2000. And we're talking about, like, the Bengals. Like, they've been up and down like a roller coaster. They hit that one stretch where they went to the postseason like five years in a row. But other than that, they you know, they've had Marvin Lewis. So, you know, they've been pretty bad. And then they have the, you know, whoever, Zach Taylor now. Uh, regardless, they, they tie the Eagles once. They lost, the Eagles lost in a Week 17 throwaway game. All this stuff, really weird stuff in this rivalry. Joe Burrow, is he going to throw the ball 70 times this week? That's a great over-under. You should probably throw a lot of money at that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, this is so hard. I'm going to take the Eagles, man. Like 
they kind toilet of, bowl for a reason. They are gonna they are gonna come out of it at some point. You know, I mean, Carson Wentz is in the news right now because Colin Coward made fun of that he was wearing a backwards hat. Like, I, Joey I, think, Molinaro, I think they're hilarious. okay. I think they're okay. I think they're in a, you know, if that's the worst thing your quarterback's being put in the spotlight for right now, we'll see. Maybe they can get some of those wide receivers healthy, but I think I think this is the Eagles in this one. Shaw, who you got in the toilet bowl? Poor Joe Burrow. Poor, poor guy. He, his arm's going to fall off when he's 32 years old. Um, <laughs> Close to it already. <laughs> yeah. But uh, shout out to all my boys in Delaware County. It's Go Birds this Sunday. Oh, jeez. They're probably <laughs> screaming at the top of their heads, man. I think uh, the Eagles take this one. Um, the Bengals are just bad. Yeah. They're just bad. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think that's credit to Joe Burrow. I think he's been playing phenomenal football, but when they kick a game uh, to a 32-yard field goal, rather, to win the game, and they and go the kicker, wide right. The kicker pulls his calf, and then on the injury report, he says it was my left calf, and he was seen holding his right. Yeah, disaster. Yeah. Disaster uh, in Cincinnati. Excuses. Those that can, will. Those that can't, <laughs> complain. If, if it wasn't for the Cowboys already having it, Stephen A. would call the Bengals the accident waiting to happen. Period. Moving forward to a team that should be in the toilet pool every week. Sorry, Shaw. The Jets are at the Colts. Shaw, this is your team. I'm going to start you with this one. Do the Jets have any chance and a pipe dream to win this game? As long as Adam Gase is calling the plays, the Jets have no chance. <laughs> he, I think he thinks he's playing Madden or something. It's just the worst play calling. I can't watch another 3rd and 11 two-yard dump pass. I'm going to jump through my television. I feel like you have... <laughs> Built up anger that many Jets fans have been facing for that time. But they've also, they, they don't have as many weapons. They've lost a ton of injury. They've lost Le'Veon Bell. So that might be a part of it. Who do you got in this matchup? Who's winning? Lock of the century, whoever's playing the Jets, the Colts win. Big. <laughs> Goose, who do you got? This is this has got to be on the schedule. One of the one of the games that Jeff fans look at and go, hey, we might actually get a win here. I'll... I'll you know, Trevor. Tre- Second guess that. The line's here is minus 11 for Indianapolis. Yeah. No, no. I'm saying as a Jet fan, I'm not talking about Vegas. Vegas knows better. But, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> believe me, Jet fans do not know better. I know that for a fact. You know, but again, you're playing a team that has Phillip Rivers on it, so you're going to be in the game for a while. And if he messes up at the end, which he's done before, we uh, the Jets could be in for it. But again, the president coming out saying Adam Gase is a brilliant offensive mind when his offense hasn't been above, I believe, 19th ranked since he had Peyton Manning, which is atrocious, by the way. They are awful this year. They're bottom thir- Like, they are 30 or below in every major statistical category on offense. It is really bad. Part of, a, la- a large margin of it is on Adam Gase, and part of it is on Sam Darnold. Because there are plays in the games where he is making highlight reel plays. There's a lot of them that they don't show. Right. He's making There's plays. a lot of them they don't show. But again, part of the bad plays is where, you know, where's the consistency a little bit at the quarterback? You know, because at some points he's making these non-weapons look great. Okay. So, we, well, I want to see it a little bit more. I'm not putting, I'm not putting more than like 15% of the blame on him. About 85 goes to Adam Gates, period. And then the rest goes to the president who actually thinks he's a decent coach that's that's another problem hopefully joe douglas oversees that it would be nice to see some consistency from sam eventually moving forward we have the panthers zero and two at the chargers who are one and one the chargers have called a design rush on 54 percent of their offensive plays this season the second highest rate in the nfl behind only the rams at 55 percent after ranking 25th in the nfl and design rush percentage last season at 36 percent 
you can see LA is really moving forward to the rush program. And they're gonna they're gonna do it with the same quarterback they had last week, which is Justin Sherbert. I know I know his name's Herbert. I call him Sherbert. I don't know where that started. I think it started on Twitter somewhere. Why is Justin Herbert starting already? Actually, I don't even think any of us, you or me, had him as the first quarterback starting this year out of the rookies, uh, outside of Joe Burrow, obviously, because Joe Burrow is Cincinnati right now. Tyrod Taylor had to miss last week, and people are gonna wonder why. And if you haven't seen it by now. Buckle up and get your popcorn. Tyrod Taylor had to miss the game because their team doctor accidentally punctured his lung, giving him a pain-killing shot before the game to heal his cracked ribs. Herbert went from backing up Tyrod to working for him. He learned five minutes before the game that he was starting. Imagine that as a rookie. You find out five minutes before game time that you're going to be starting. What a crazy situation, a scenario. and but But just... Oh, man, I would be suing that doctor left and right. But going to the game, this is the Chargers, man. The Panthers are obviously in a rebuild. Going for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. It's pretty simple. Matt Rule's still looking for his first win. Is this one of the better chances at it, in my opinion? Yes, but I don't think they get it done. But And I, and I think L.A. enjoys their new stadium. Panthers, no McCaffrey. Chargers, new quarterback. Shaw, who you got? Justin Herbert learning that he's going to start five minutes before the game is like a Mike Lupica book plot. <laughs> that was a beautiful it's, reference, bro. It was the first thing I thought when I heard it. Um, but, you know, the Panthers don't have their one weapon in Christian McCaffrey. So I'm going to go Chargers. Uh, I think it'll be a boring game. It's not one to tune into. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Chargers. Here's the one problem I did have. Anthony Lynn slammed Justin Herbert this week. He, he said that Tyrod was still the starter, which is fine because, again, he didn't lose of, his spot. Right. That's, you know, that's a that's a situation that we didn't know about and, and which is unfair to Tyrod. What I had a problem with is he said, and I quote, Justin Herbert is a backup for a reason. After the dude was 22 of 33 for like 311 yards and two touchdowns, I think he may have thrown a pick. Like, that's a that's a pretty good rookie start. I, I would not be bashing you. I think there's a way to say Tyrod's still your starter without talking about Justin Herbert. I think you gotta, especially with rookies, especially what we heard about Justin Herbert coming into the draft, you gotta keep his confidence at an all-time high. Well, this is the Doug Peterson argument. That's why I think he had to redact the first statement he said about Carson Wentz because once you jump off board a little bit, you have to leave on from Tyrod. So he's just fully putting his chips into Tyrod so when he does come back, even if Tyrod loses, he's still the coach that invested in his QB1. Correct. Oh, Doug Peterson had to retract the statement. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. You got to keep your starting quarterbacks confidence at an all-time high. You know, especially guys like Tyrod Taylor who's gotten hurt, Carson Wentz who's gotten hurt. They're just guys that need it. So, quarterbacks riding high is a perfect way to segue this next matchup. We have Cowboys led by Dak Prescott at one and one versus the Seahawks in Seattle against Russell Wilson, who's been red hot, nine touchdowns through the first two games. They're two and zero. Wilson's completed 52 of 63 passes this season, 82.5%. Guy's been a monster all year, Ryan. Who do you like? Uh, I want a move that we put in Russ We Trust on the dollar bill and all the dollar bills. He's just old, reliable, and I'm sure they would do it in Seattle, by the way. It would pass. He's the only sign of hope over there. So. Absolutely. But he's got DK Metcalf. He's got Tyler Lockett. He's got all these weapons. Greg Olson. All these guys. they got a good run game uh, with Chris Carson. Give me Seattle on this one at home, regardless. Who knows what the weather's going to be. You never know. And what Dallas team are we going to find? That's that's the big question. They showed a lot of heart last week. But let's not forget, for three and a half quarters, they were awful. And they looked exactly like they did in week one. So, 
Keep that in mind, but I'm taking Seattle in this one. I think they went two in a row at home. Red Hot Russell Wilson in Seattle. Who do you like? Uh, I agree. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. The Cowboys have a couple injuries in the secondary. Uh, you want your best guys against Russell Wilson. They didn't have a good secondary to begin with. That's let's, true. Let's put that on the record. I'm I'm surprised that the spread is so close. Vegas has it minus five. Do they know something that the we Seahawks, don't? You know what it is? Yes. The Seahawks always play close games. Yeah. Always, all the time. Well, last year they won nine of their 11 that went to like the fourth I, quarter, I, last drive. I think they are more comfortable playing games within three points than any team in the league, period. And they, they just love it. But go ahead. I just... Uh, I don't buy the hype on the Cowboys. I don't think Dak Prescott's very good. I think he's decent. He's serviceable. But, uh, yeah, and Russ, we trust. Go Seahawks. It's also good to know that Dak Prescott's the first quarterback in NFL history with 400 passing yards, I believe, and three on-the-ground touchdowns rushing last week, and he did it in his matchup in that comeback. But moving forward, we have the Buccaneers at the Broncos. Kind of a snoozer. The Broncos lost a ton of talent. They've lost Drew Locke for a couple weeks. Um, Philip Lindsay's not playing this week. They gotta rely heavily on Melvin Gordon. I can see which way you guys are leaning already. Goose, let's start with you. Oh, so you think, huh? I think Jeff Driscoll played very well. We're, we got a Drizzy fan and in the booth. I am going. By by the way, he went to University of Florida. Played real well down there. This is my upset this week. This really is. I'm going with Denver. Do you want to lose a game? Hold every on, week? bro. Hold on. Denver is Tom Brady's house of horrors. House of horrors when you look back on his career. The absolute worst place for Tom Brady to play has been Denver. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to ride the altitude. I think Jeff Driscoll understands you find Noah Fant whenever possible because he is a matchup nightmare. And you know what? This Tampa team is still trying to find their way, man. We talked about uh, before the show. We talked about Brady's fantasy, you know, and, and that it's not always indicative. But listen, he hasn't been great so far. And again. Now he's going into the mile high in his house of horrors. This is my upset of the week. Give me the Broncos. Very big surprise. Shaw, who do you got? Well, because I just released Tom Brady from my fantasy team, it's inevitable that he will go off and throw for five, six touchdowns, something insane. And I know he's had his troubles up there, but um, this Broncos team's not that great either. So I'm going to go Bucks. It's pretty simple. I think they got to get Gronk involved more. I think he's seen a career low targets through the first two games, a career low catches. That's a statistic that's proven actually. I don't know about the targets rather, but moving. He's got two catches for eleven yards in two games. Uh, that's uh, not acceptable. That's not Hall of Fame Gronk we know. But moving forward, we have the Lions. They're zero and two at the Red Hot Cardinals, led by Kyler Murray, who's probably the second best quarterback this year. I would say behind Russ, making a giant year two leap as we've talked about in August. Who do you like here in this matchup and why? Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Isaiah Simmons on defense. Cliff got his weapons. Cliff Kingsbury on as the offensive coordinator and head coach. Give me the Cardinals in this one. This is I think they steamroll it. They look really good. They've done a great job so far, and I and I think they keep the ball rolling against a Detroit team that, yeah, they were about to catch away from beating Chicago. But I mean, what what is beating Chicago? Honestly, you, you hear it all the time. You don't lose a football play in one game. There's multiple plays that led up to that. Correct. Who do you like here in the snooze bowl, if you will, with the Lions playing? Well, the Lions have lost their last eleven games, uh, so make it twelve. Book uh, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the Cardinals get an easy win this week. Yeah, and honestly, it's not even hard to predict the Cardinals having a good season with Kyler making this big of jump. Like we have said, if Kyler does make this jump, they have the pieces now to start making moves, especially with D-Hop. 
from one of the worst teams and one of the most up-and-coming teams in the Cardinals and Lions, we have two of the most established teams over the past 10 years, the Packers and the Saints. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's basically telling the Packers GM, this is what you get for drafting a quarterback instead of a weapon, playing red hot. And the Packers don't look like they're slowing down. Who do you got here, Gus? Josh Jacobs looked great on Monday Night Football, didn't he? They ran the ball pretty well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He didn't have a touchdown, pretty sure 77 yards, but the volume was there. Yeah, give me the Packers in this one. I think Aaron Jones is the other Aaron on that team is the difference. He's been spectacular for them all year long. Dating back to last year, actually, he's been fantastic for them. Really been a spark plug. And then Aaron's going to Aaron. Aaron's going to do what he does. Again, if this is a New Orleans home game with fans in the stands, I'd probably flip my pick because that place is deafening in there. And it can really affect the outcome of the game, unlike some other places. MetLife Stadium. Give me the Packers in this one. I think they win it. I think they, they have a lot of excitement here on Monday Night Football. But it's going to be a great game. Shootout. And it is interesting to watch the Michael Thomas injury, how much their offense has slowed down with him being off the field. Shaw, who do you like in this matchup? Uh, if you're a gambling man, destroy the over on this game. 100%. Uh, it's going to be a shootout, like you said. Aaron Rodgers is playing angry. Angry football. He's angry, and he's slinging that thing. Uh, but I'm going to go with Drew Brees at home and go Saints this week. It is hard to pick against Drew Brees at home. You had alluded to the fans not being there, but still, the routine doesn't change for Drew Brees in the Dome. Moving forward to Monday Night Football. This is the matchup of the week. I think so. I don't know. I know NFL didn't put it on Sunday night, but it gets the back end Monday night. We have the 2-0 Chiefs at the 2-0 Ravens, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl contention all along these teams. Who do you got, Ryan, in the matchup of the week? I mean, that's why they put it on Monday night is because it's the best game of the week. They I thought Sunday's it, got the ratings. Uh, they want to put it on the most singular day. They have a really good crew now, by the way, with Lewis Riddick, Steve Lee. Yeah, they're still running that around nicely. They did a great job. By the way, Lewis Riddick should be the Giants GM at this time next year. Let's just put it that way. It's also good to note, before you continue, Baltimore has the advantage of negative 3.5. Yeah, I'm going to take Baltimore in this one. This is kind of like... I don't think, you know what? Actually, because you just said that, Jolan, I'm taking the Chiefs. No, bro, <laughs> sixteen and zero. It's a given every week, bro. Like a soda can, I am gonna crush your Baltimore Unbelie- sixteen and zero. Have fun fourteen and two this week because you threw two toss ups. You know you what? You know what? I'm sure that uh, a few years ago they picked the Rams to beat the Chiefs in that shootout on Monday night that ended like fifty four to fifty. So uh, you know what? I'll take the Chiefs again. And just to ruin your sixteen and zero, that's I, that's my pick this week. Shaw, who do you like? I'm on your wave, brother. I Let's go, bro. Ravens, Ravens won 14 straight, guys. <laughs> I think the Ravens take this one. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he's got to throw the ball a little better, but I just think they're a really great, complete team. Well, what I like about these two teams especially, and I'm going to put my pick into this because it is the game of the week, is these two teams know their identity. You find a lot of trouble in the NFL with offenses not knowing what they're doing, whether they be run first or you see Tennessee establish themselves too. They're a run-first team with play action to open up. These two teams know exactly what they're getting. They have a run-established house in the, uh, with the Ravens, and they have a pass-heavy team with the Chiefs. Expect this to be a very high-scoring game, and it's an easy lock for the Ravens to win their 14th regular season game in a row. And that's how you get these tricky offensive plays. The Giants, the Giants should never run a trick play. Why? They don't know who they are on offense. You should. That should be like a bare minimum requirement. You run a reverse... You don't know who you are on offense, 15-yard penalty. Get out of here with this crap. Like, the if the Jets run a double reverse pass, they should be, like, thrown out of the game completely. Like, Adam Gay should be gone. They might actually win a game at that point. But regardless, like, 
if you don't know your identity as a team, gone. See ya. It's a great week to have Shaw on this podcast because this is one of the few weeks we get to pick the Jets twice in one week. Moving on to Thursday's game, we might have... Might be the only week. Might be the only week. They don't see a lot of primetime at all. The Broncos at New York Jets this Thursday night. We're going to give Goss another loss, hopefully, in this column. Shaw, who do you like here? Do you have trust in the Jets at all? Uh, No, I don't. Uh, I've seen it too much. I've watched uh, my fair share of Jets games over the last uh, 23 or so years. And it's the same movie. Oh, and 4 though? It's the same movie. <laughs> they could they could go 0 and 16 way easier than the Baltimore Ravens can go 16 and 0. At least you're an honest fan. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna sit there like an idiot and watch it too. I'm gonna watch it, the, and I'm gonna be mad. The, and the Broncos are gonna win. The Jets, the <laughs> Knicks, the Mets—they all have one thing in common: huge markets. Where if they suck, they'll get views. Guys, who do you like? <laughs> this is one. Of, like, like I said, this is one of the few games on the Jets schedule that you could look at and say, "Hey." They might be able to win this one. Like, like there are some games you just go, oh yeah, uh, you know what? They might have. They shouldn't even show up. Don't even get on the plane. This is, you know, West Coast to East Coast Thursday night short week. I'm really tempted to take the Jets here, but I just I like to laugh in misery because it happens to me so much with the Mets. I'm taking the Broncos. I, the Jets go on. You know what's shocking to me? You have so much faith in Jeff Driscoll this week, but not against the Jets. He's going to blow them out of the water if he plays Thursday. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, he might be riding high off a of victory and like I predicted. Who am I to talk? I'm a Giants fan. I'm right in your boat, Jets fans. I'm not bashing you guys. We're equals this year and possibly for the next 10. Not until we win a game. So we are not equals anymore. It's, it's not talking crap. It's just honestly the best policy. But with the game at Thursday night, there's been some dilemma with MetLife Field and MetLife's turf in particular. Goose, what have you reported and what do you have reported for what's happening with MetLife's turf and the 49ers situation yeah, recently? Yeah, so the 49ers were the first to bring this to the table now. The 49ers lost three different players to an ACL tear on last Saturday against the Jets. And they brought it to the NFL and the NFLPA and they sent out the whole investigation team. Hopefully they socially distanced and wore masks. Uh, and they deemed it good enough to play against the Giants this weekend. So it doesn't look like it's going to be a huge spectacle. This does happen sometimes with new turf. Some sport... Big sports name, I forget who it was. They were talking about this happened in Houston. You used to be able to see the seams of where they put the turf together, which is scary, and they would paint over it so that you didn't see it. So, you know, but again, as long as the NFL and the NFLPA say, hey, you know, that this happened. The Giants had already played a game on it, too, so that was kind of tough. So uh, there's not too much to report there, but it is something to keep an eye on. But do you think this has something to do with no camp? Like, ACL tears should not be going this much. We all know it. We've seen so many players get injured. We called last week, um, it was Black Sunday when all those players went down. It was like the Black like Friday. or Black, Black Swan. The Black yeah. Tuesday when the market crashed, basically. All those players going down. It was a bad sight, and I had told one of my buddies, uh, Sal, that morning, like, well, the players are going down. And then by 4 o'clock that day, there was 10 more. Uh, it was It was absurd. Here's the problem. They didn't go hard enough in camp. You think so? They did have camp, but they didn't go hard enough in camp. And that's the problem. And and you got to you have to scrimmage more. It's just part, you have to play football to get ready to play football. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like this is the same thing with basketball. You don't get ready for a basketball season by just dribbling around in the park. They did not do enough in camp to get going. So camp got delayed because of COVID. Guys, how's the COVID numbers? COVID numbers are zero. As far as the last round of testing that we have in, uh, available to us, 
zero players have tested positive, which is fantastic. That is fantastic. And honestly, there was a lot of speculation without them being secluded to a certain area in a certain field that there, t- there might be spikes. And to see them have zero test results is very, very good for the rest of the season remaining. And we have lost somebody tragically in the NFL community. Goss, what we got on that? Yeah, we have. We have lost Gale Sayers at the age of 77. He played for the Chicago Bears. Only played six years due to knee injury. Uh, he was battling dementia here in the late years of his of his life. Uh, the youngest Hall of Famer ever. He only, Like I said, he only played six years, and to be inducted into the Hall of Fame is just unbelievable. He's famously known for his part in Brian's song, Brian, the story of Brian Piccolo, who ended up getting cancer. Uh, and passing away, he was his roommate, actually. So he was known as the Kansas Comet, born in Wichita, Kansas. Just a fantastic human. They say he was a better human than he was football player. And uh, with just a really sad passing for the NFL and, and all those involved in the Chicago Bears organization. So uh, rest in peace to his soul. I feel like week to week, especially this year, we're just losing legends all it's, the time. It's been tough. It really has. It really has. But we're, we're going to keep it rolling. So I want to get to some viewership numbers. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, and uh, but the NFL has like the top ten spots in terms of television in the month of September. So Joey zero zero five nine two, who said he was going to stop watching, you know he's he's kind of SOL now because everybody and their mother is watching the NFL. First name, bunch of numbers, sit down. Right. So they they are losing out on the whole I'm going to boycott the NFL thing. They they are they are sadly mistaken. And with the return of great numbers for football, we see college football programs might be returning. Do you think the numbers from football's ratings have anything to do with COVID or college football returning with COVID? Partially, but but I mean you have so many other sports going on now. I think the NBA. Like, the NBA takes a dip. Why? Because the NFL comes back. Major League Baseball takes a dip. Why? Because football's back. Football football runs, runs is king in the United States of America, whether you agree with it or whether you don't. That's just the way it is. So, uh, regardless, I think college football takes a little bit away. They play on Saturdays, man. Well, we now we have the MAC back. We have the Pac-12 back. What do you have on that? And you know what? The, the Pac-12 is going to play six games. I'm, not, I'm still researching. or They're going to play six games, excuse me. Six-game schedule starting November 6th, I believe, which is going to borderline them for the college football playoff. They're a borderline conference anyway. The MAC is coming back. They, they, I have, I don't know the details off the top of my head. But there are going to be listeners that are going to say, who the hell cares about the MAC? Here's why you should care about the MAC. The MAC is going to put football on seven days a week. Why? MAC Nation, stand up. Why? Because they play Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Tuesday night MAC. So we got Monday night football, Tuesday, Wednesday, MAC, MAC. And then Thursday night is the NFL. Friday is high school and some college. Saturday is college. Sunday is the NFL. And then we just started all over. Perfect again. segue into our last segment of football, high school football. What do we got on that? High school is expected to start August, uh, October second. They are they are on pace to start next Saturday. We'll have reports on that. Anything local that's going on. There have been some scrimmages. They look ready to go. They 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 do. Pompton Lakes High School had to shut down for two weeks. They're still practicing. They got back to practice this week. Uh, good news Good news ahead, they're going to play football this fall. So from one sport starting up to some in their finals, we move on to the NBA finals, and the, or rather the conference finals here. We have the Lakers leading the Nuggets 3-1. to one. The Nuggets find themselves again down 3-1 to one in another series. And the Heat, they're leading the Celtics 3-2 after Boston's fairly marginal-sized win last night. Um, Goose, Shaw, Shaw is a great person to have in here for the NBA finals. These matchups and specifically the 3-1 deficits that both teams faced would have been historic if they both come back. Do you think these teams come back? Who do you like in these matchups? And since Shaw's in the booth, we'll pick finals. Yeah, I don't... I don't think both of them will do it. I just... That's... 
that is historic. And Denver would obviously be historic because they're the first team to do a back-to-back series, let alone three straight to get to the NBA Finals. That would just be ridiculous. I actually made an argument to a friend of mine that the Lakers should have considered letting them lose and be tied 2-2 because they'd have no no idea what to do. They know what to do now that they're down 3-1. And But I, this, this LeBron James team, I think there's a sense of urgency to, hey, let's get this finished. Let's get our days off before the NBA Finals. Let's put this team, I think, in game four, you saw LeBron D up Jamal Murray. The last five I, minutes with I, no buckets. And I think that was just a moment where he just said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of watching him make these MJ-esque shots, these stupid shots that you make down at the park every once in a while. I, I, I want to see I want to see him put his foot down and end this thing in five. I don't think the Nuggets have what it takes to come back on this Laker team. Boston, on the other hand, I, I'm not confident in either, actually either one of them. I'm not confident in Boston either. Listen, Miami was up 12 in Game 5. Boston was shooting as if their season had already been gone in the first quarter. Now, credit to them, they turned it around. But I still think Miami's got the dudes. Miami, the last four games, have shot horrific from the three-point line. They last In Game 4, they were 6 of 32. 6 of 32. Jolan, I think you could go to the park right now and shoot 6 for 32 from three-point land. Okay, so... You're giving me way too much credit. Uh, right, maybe so. Okay, maybe I can. Regardless, that is that is something you are not going to see from this Heat team because they are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. So I think Boston was a prideful. I still think they lose this series eventually, whether it's Game Six, which would be respectful. Game Seven, I think I think Jimmy buckets is the difference. So before in, we in move on seven. to your finals predictions of what the matchup is going to be and how many games, Shaw, <laughs> LeBron, I feel like this has been his easiest route. We can say toward the finals in a long time. He had, Back in his day, he had the big three Boston Celtics to go against. Then he had the Golden State Warriors dynasty and all this other Spurs dynasty. There's been problem after problem with LeBron going to the finals and losing against these dynasties. This year, it's almost like a smooth coast. What do you think? Who do you like in the Eastern Conference and finals matchups as well? Western Conference, all that good stuff. I think Denver has the Lakers right where they want them at down 3-1. Uh, that game is tonight at 9 o'clock. I would take Denver. I think the Lakers still make the finals, but I think Denver pushes them seven. They got their backs against the wall. Jamal Murray is making everything he throws up. At the end of that game, LeBron was fouling him. He was getting the LeBron treatment. He was fouling him. Uh, Let's just get that straight. Um, And the Lakers have a lot of holes. KCP goes AWOL. Danny Green goes AWOL. Are you going to put trust in Alex Caruso in the NBA Finals? Caruso, I don't baby. think so. Caruso. <laughs> Which is funny because he was a meme to being a significant role player on a might be a championship team. Like, you yeah, gotta give him I credit. mean, all credit to him, but that's not who I want to trust in the NBA Finals. Anthony Davis is going to have to play his best ball Ever. for them to win. And uh, LeBron just has to take over, do the whole Magic Johnson team aspect drive, kick, score when you have to. I mean, he really is like one of the most complete players I've ever seen play basketball. It's well, I didn't watch Jordan in his prime, so I was going to say the most complete I've ever seen. Incredible to watch. Um, but I think the Lakers win that series in seven. I take Denver tonight, like I said before. Who do you like in the East? Um, I like the Heat. Uh, Boston's a good team. They're just they're missing something. I'm not sure what it is. Jason Tatum, he's one that goes bye-bye sometimes. As good as he is, 
you can't have a half where you don't score. That happened the other night. You just got to be consistent. And um, Tyler Hero. Bucket. Tyler Hero. Baby goat. My kid's three years younger than me almost, bro. I'm going to buy his jersey. <laughs> just know it. He's a monster. And I'm a he- Celtics fan. That's hard to say. I was with Cam last night at the bar because we were watching the Celtics. And I was telling him, like, I don't care what happens to the Celtics. We have to root for Tyler Hero over LeBron. He's like, I agree. <laughs> he, he puts the ball in the hole. It's it's incredible. He plays with such confidence. Uh, it's really great to see. And their sneaky factor is the Division Three wonder, Duncan Robinson. That guy gets a shot off faster than anyone I've Shout seen. Shout out Neskag. Shout he, out Neskag is where he started. That's right. Williams, correct? Yeah. Yep. Correct. Our biggest rival, we hate purple, but shout out, shout <laughs> I like the him. guy's number. I'm telling you. Shout out to him. Credit where credit is due. Correct. Um, I think we see the Heat and Lakers in the NBA Finals, and I think the Heat match up really well against the Lakers. I think there's a lot of fun matchups. You there talk is. about AD and Bam out of bio. Like, I think that's a really then, good matchup. If Bam gets, goes on AD, who gets LeBron? You think put Jimmy Buckets Jimmy, on him? Well, you would look at Jimmy Buckets. Andre Iguodala won an MVP guarding LeBron at one point. A couple years older now. Got blocked right. for the game You got Jake Crowder. I mean, Jake Crowder will take a shot at guarding LeBron. I think his career statistics against LeBron are god-awful. Unless he was playing with but, him. But, I mean, <laughs> right. But, I mean, how many how many players have great defensive stats against LeBron? Like, Not many. Let's be honest. I think part of Shaw's point as to why the Lakers were winning Game 7 is because LeBron's the greatest Game 7 player we've ever seen. Yeah, he just gets it done. He averages the most points in the in game sevens. He's absolutely ridiculous, and you gotta you gotta love it. But that that would be a fun match. I to, I told you I hinted at this last episode. That's a fun matchup in terms of everybody that's got to go. The X factor for the Lakers. Two actually, I'll give you two. Playoff Rondo, who we've seen just when he is on and he clicks. It's not even a shooting; it's his defense and passing, and his passing, and his leadership. Climbing up the ranks of playoff all-time assists. Two, if the Nuggets are to have any chance on God's green earth to come back from another 3-1 deficit, then Nikola Jokic cannot get bodied by Dwight Howard. Period. Game four, he got embarrassed by Dwight Howard. And game three, you gave him buckets, though. You're right. No, because that was when JaVale McGee was heavily playing. You're right. Frank Vogel made the decision to start Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard famously, after game one, said he was going to stand outside of Jokic's hotel room and remind him that he's there all series long. And then Frank Vogel was like, yeah, we're just not going to play you as much anymore. Well, it turns out you should have been playing him the whole time. And if Nikola Jokic can't get by Dwight Howard, and I know Dwight Howard's a great player, you're not you're not coming back from three one. And let me just get embodied. Let me just say my piece because I know this is your guys' discussion. You guys are predicting finals, but Dwight Howard. People don't remember that he led the league in blocks for three years in a row. He led the league in rebounds for five years in a row. He was defense player of the year three times in a row. This guy has credit to be talking smack. Don't be coming at me saying Dwight Howard's talking crap about the best center of the league because it's nonsense. Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to do it at the five. He's earned his due to talk some smack with the best player in the world on his team. Shaw. He, he was a monster down there in Orlando. Oh, yeah. At the oh, yeah. He beat LeBron career. in the Eastern Conference um, playoffs. He was a beast. The shoulders on that guy, unreal. He's like... Wide, wider than a door frame. <laughs> he, Absolutely. He's he's built like a brick house. So what are your key matchups to L.A.? Um, so the X factor, I think, for L.A. finishing this run is their three-point shooting down the stretch. you got to have Spurs Danny Green, not Toronto Danny Green. You know, you got to have him hitting wide-open shots. Uh, you need KCP to defend, play both ways, play smart. Um, 
I don't know if J.R. Smith sniffs the floor in the finals. Probably no. not. If you're LeBron, you sent that letter to Frank Vogel privately a week ago. And if it is, first half minutes. Yeah. Um, the first half up 40. That yeah. actually knows what the score is. 12 point first time out run. Yeah. <laughs> the wing play uh, is going to be the difference from that for uh, the Lakers to finish out this series and if they wind up playing the Heat in the finals. It's all about how do you stop Tyler Hero? How do you stop Duncan Robinson from getting shots off? How do you stop Jimmy Butler? It's all about the wings. That's their hole. That's where they need to fill. If those guys play well, they win the finals, I think, easy. But if they don't show up, we could be bringing the championship down to Miami. Well, I got an answer for you on that one. Who stops all those guys? If it's late, it's LeBron. That's... That's the guy. He did it 10 years ago to Derrick Rose when he was the MVP of the league. Yeah. He, he said, I'm going to guard you, and you're going to shoot 11% from the field. Sure enough, he did. They won that series. It's just, I don't know where he gets this from. He's played 58,000 minutes. That's that's a lot. You know, that's a lot of wear and tear. I don't know where he still gets it from. But, yeah, he's picking the spots, and uh, he'll, he'll guard them. So who do you guys got in the finals and how many games? I'm going to take the Lakers in six. I go, uh, I'm saying Heat in six. It's all about wing defenders. Obviously, Avery Bradley missing for the Lakers. They probably walk to a finals. I was but, just gonna say they probably walk over. Yeah, the, yeah. They, he's a clamp. But like Shaw has said, clamp. it's they don't have those wing defenders they normally do. So the Heat could definitely get shots up. It will be interesting. But what do you guys? What's your guys' take on the bubble overall? Do you think even though the NBA lost ratings, that what they did was good for the sport? Do you think they're gonna start fairly on time next year, or when do you think all that stuff's gonna come to a close and so forth? So I think. Um, what was discussed is they're probably going to start around Christmas time next year. Which so they should yeah. every year, by the way. Just <laughs> it's, only, it's only a month or so, month and a half later than normal, so it's really not bad. Um, I love watching bubble basketball, man. There's something to be able to hear them talk and communicate and like really like analyze how they play the game with each other. It's just fun. And what I like most before you put your part in, Goss, is you see players for now who they are. Basically, they're all mic'd up with all the cameras on them and no real noise. And guys crumbling with no teammates around, with no friends around. And guys excelling like Jimmy Butler with nobody in his corner. So you really see the character and flaws of these guys when the lights are on brightest, Goose. Yeah, but I think what you lose is... is Well, and what you... I mean, you could lose if it's if it's the team you're rooting against. Is is these rookies are better now? Why? Because there's no fans. They start getting in your head. You go to Utah, they're gonna they're gonna shout some expletives in your face. <laughs> Tyler Hero, like, most points since Magic. Right. So it's a little bit different down there. I'm giving the NBA an A. They get a real A for this. They have done such a great job. There's been a lot of bumps here. You know, I thought when they brought in the family members, that's risky business. But they did a great job quarantining them. Making sure they tested negative, doing what they had to do to get them in to play in the stands, and I think that takes you kind of back to high school basketball. When your parents in the stands, they're chirping the other parents. You know, you're having a lot. We saw Rondo's brother get into it with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> that was hilarious. Like that's it awesome. It's been really fun. There's no complaining about the hotels anymore. They're used to it. I know they're ready to get out. I know there's been some mental health stuff talked about, which is all serious stuff. But I would give them an A, and I think there was, you know, the season teetered. At one point, where they where they had the boycott and everything like that, so it it could it could have gone sideways, but I think the NBA did a great job of handling it and staying even keel. Uh, quick word, um, I also give the bubble an A. I think it was great. I loved watching it. I I'll watch Ukrainian basketball if it's on television. So 
that's my stance on it. But um, also the bubble is the only reason these 3-1 comebacks are happening. You don't come back from 3-1 twice with people yelling at you in the stands. It just doesn't happen. The momentum in the building, you can feel it watching it at home. Like, oh, those guys are in trouble. They need to call a timeout. That doesn't happen here. And with the break in the season, it gave the rookies time to develop. They could get stronger. They got more shots up in the uh, in-season, off-season, we'll call it. And that's why they came back surging. And, uh, you know, they really set the framework for how to do this when stuff like this happens as far as the bubble. And uh, I'm just glad that we could watch the season play out. I think Adam Silver in the NBA did a phenomenal job while they wrap up their season. No surprise. To another team, or league rather, heading into the postseason, Rob Manfred in the MLB. They're looking to do a bubble similar. We talked about California and Texas, ALNL. Goose, let's just wrap this up real quick. MLB, who do we got matching up? Bubble, playoffs next week. Yeah, so the matchups are still to be determined through these last couple games. I'm going to let that play out. We'll really start talking about matchups next week. Jolan will really dive deep into that. We're, we're going to have a lot of them. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is the Yankees are limping into the playoffs. The Rays are in the one seed in the AL East, or in the AL period, excuse me. It's just the Padres are the two in the NL. It's really just silly stuff. And this is what you expect from a shortened season, though. You expect chaos. You expect pandemonium. I mean, the Blue Jays are in the playoffs. Who would have thought? You know, they were one of the teams I made a joke about early in the season. Is like, you know, when they play the Orioles, hey, somebody's got to win, right? You know, it's just one of those, you know, it's one of those teams. Actually, I think that I did that with the Marlins, but I didn't think the Blue Jays were going to be good, period. The, the MLB is, dude, the way this bubble is set up, man, it is really hard. So we're going to go into matchups next week, and uh, we're going to really hammer that. But uh, we mentioned the Yanks limping in. Shaw's a big Yankee fan, so I know... I know they've been limping in, and uh, no surprise, the playoffs aren't going to feature the Mets. Uh, starting pitching was just too bad. DeGrom should win his third uh, NL Cy Young award again, by the way. He should win it again because he's the best pitcher in the league, period. Well, Exclamation point. You got now um, Bauer Power over there. I do not care what Bauer says. I don't care what he vlogs about. It's his ERA. I don't care. DeGrom, DeGrom go back and watch the tapes. Here's the Go thing I would say about Cy Young. It's not the best pitcher. It's the statistical really? best stats about Really? Because the ground won it with a 10-9 and nine record. Okay. Tell me that's not about the best pitcher <laughs> in the league. All right, he has been the best pitcher in the league. We will turn on the game tapes. Trevor Bauer and I will go on his vlog, and we'll sit down, and we'll we'll discuss it. But, uh, but yeah, big, big day for the Mets. Sandy Alderson is going to come back, by the way, the Mets team president that was announced even when they get new ownership with Steve Cohen in November. And that's gonna wrap it. That's that's pretty much all. That's pretty much it. That's all I got. My voice is running out of breath. Whatever, Jolan, you can. Jolan, Jolan knows this. Of course, he follows me. But you at home, you can follow me on Twitter at Gosker56 or on Instagram at Goose on the Mic. Jolan, I know we want to hit up Shaw, Chris. Where could they find you if they want to reach out to you or anything like that? All right, guys. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at c underscore j underscore s three. And follow me on Instagram at uh, Christopher Shaw 15 uh, Great time, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Jolan, where can they find you? Where can they find the podcast? You're tired. We had him. <laughs> <laughs> Shaw, honestly, bro, it's been a pleasure. Again, bro, good friend. Even better session. So we could follow us on Twitter at Podcast Air It Out or Instagram at Air It Out.podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at Good Old Joel's or on Instagram at Joel on Bioqua. That's J O L A N. 
B as in boy, I-O-K-U-A. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you can reach out. And I want to thank uh, my boys, Eli and Dan and uh, Justin Shove down there. Um, you guys, thank you for the feedback. We're taking it to heart. We're trying our best here, and we're going to keep this thing going. Yeah, keep giving us the feedback. Keep giving us everything you got. We love the fact that you're listening, and you're listening to the small details. That's what's important to me. That's what's important to Joan to this whole production. So, Joan, until week four and until episode 19. Put it in the books.